Hello, and welcome to Pre-Concert. I'm your host, Rodney Wittenberg. This episode of Pre-Concert is brought to you by Montgomery County Community College's Lively Arts Series. The Lively Arts Series presents Pancho Sanchez on Saturday, October 26th at the Science Center Theater, 340 DeKalb Pike, Bluebell, Pennsylvania. In the concert, Pancho Sanchez and his Latin band will pay tribute to the transformative Cubano B, Cubano Bop album, recorded by two influential architects of Latin jazz, conga drummer-composer Chano Pozo and trumpeter Dizzy Gillespie. There'll be a pre-concert panel discussion focusing on race identity and politics in Afro-Cuban culture. I spoke with David Garcia, Ph.D., Associate Professor and Director of Graduate Studies, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. I asked David to talk about the importance of Chano Pozo and Dizzy Gillespie's collaboration. Well, yes, okay, so first of all, I think it's important in thinking about the importance in the collaboration between Dizzy Gillespie and Chano Pozo that they actually weren't the first um, jazz and, 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 and Cuban musicians to collaborate. The music, um, Afro-Cuban musicians in particular, as well as Puerto Rican musicians actually, had already for at least 10 years, if not longer, been playing jazz in New York, you know, going back to the 1920s and 1930s. Um, so a lot of this cross-fertilization, musical uh, cross-fertilization was happening not only in New York, not only in the U.S., but also in the Caribbean. But what made that particular collaboration important was uh, Dizzy's uh, notoriety, his popularity. He was really the, the first sort of major jazz musician to go out and, and try to make a change in the music. He had already obviously changed the music in terms of uh, helping to, to uh, crystallize bebop. But he, um, he it, within that context of bebop, which was the sort of the new hip style of jazz in the 1940s, within that context, he was really then um, well situated to, to bring in a Cuban musician and to give that music a much wider audience. An audience that, in fact, was, you know, national in scope and international in scope. David spoke about the importance of the Cuban migration to America. It happens by, uh, uh, number one, uh, musicians from the Caribbean, Puerto Rico, Cuba, and elsewhere immigrating to New York. Um, and, but, of course, they were immigrating to other parts of the country as well, Sh- Chicago, and, and, and probably New Orleans, New Orleans. But the difference is that the recording industry was in New York. Uh, not many jazz musicians were recording in Chicago, certainly not in New Orleans at the time. And, and so because the recording industry was uh, situated mostly in New York as well as uh, Los Angeles, you know, um, then naturally the, the musicians who are around there are the ones who got captured on recording. Um, and that, that's in part the reason why uh, New York's history, jazz history that is, um, kind of, it was better documented because of the, because of recordings. Um, you know, so, so think about Jelly Roll Morton, for example, while he was in New Orleans in, in the early part of his career, he didn't record. 
So we really don't, we do not have any documentation of the music that he was playing before he, he ended up on the East Coast and before he started working with Alan Lomax and so forth. I asked David, who was Chano Pozo? Chano Pozo was an incredibly interesting guy. I mean, in many ways, his story parallels Louis Armstrong's, although they played different instruments. For example, they grew up not having a formal education at all, including music. Chano Pozo grew up in Havana, was born in Havana, raised in Havana, and like many other black musicians at the time, or black humans at the time in general, his options for an education for work were very limited because of discrimination. And so he grew up, like so many other uh, other Afro-Cubans, playing music, learning the traditions, being immersed in African-derived traditional uh, musics, dance styles, religious traditions. But what really set him apart was that he began to compose songs orally. Because, uh, you know, he, because he didn't know how to write music, he still was able to, to create music orally. Uh, he was also a, a good sort of uh, businessman in the sense that, uh, you know, he, he, he was able to survive on the rough, tough streets of Havana. And, and I, I wouldn't say he, he was not a con artist, but he was able to get people to hire him for jobs and, and then eventually get um, all white Cuban bands to perform and record his music. And that, so he was already very popular in Cuba by the early 1940s. Uh, seven years before he came to New York, he had already established himself as a composer, as an entertainer, as a drummer. Um, and he eventually joined and played percussion for some of the top all-white Cuban jazz bands. So that's his story before he gets to New York. He was already successful as a recording artist and as an entertainer in Cuba. Thanks, David. Pancho Sanchez and his Latin band perform at Montgomery County Community College on Saturday, October 26, with a panel discussion preceding the concert. The performance will be held at the Science Center Theater, 340 DeKalb Pike, Bluebell, Pennsylvania. For tickets and information, go to www.mc3.edu slash arts slash lively arts. This episode of Pre-Concert was brought to you by Montgomery County Community College and was recorded at Melody Vision. For more information on Pre-Concert, go to www.pre-concert.com. I'm your host, Rodney Wittenberg. See you at the show.